Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show, Me, Myself, and TBI. I'm your host, Christina Brown-Fisher. My guest is Super Bowl champion and National Football League tight end, Ben Utek. His book, Counting the Days While My Mind Slips Away, A Love Letter to My Family, details Utek's love of the game, from learning how to catch a football at the tender age of four with his dad, a Methodist pastor, to his meteoric rise in the NFL, as well as the career-ending concussions that forced him to walk away. Hi, Ben. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Christina. Glad to be here. How are you doing now? You know what? To be honest with you, I am probably stronger cognitively today than I than I ever have been, and and so it. it it's really with uh, a lot of joy that I can say that to you. So I'm actually doing very well. It's been a long journey, a long time to get to this place. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, every, every day is a journey, right? And, and I think one of the greatest lessons I've taken away from mine is the relevance that exists within every moment, right? When, when you're dealing with memory, you, you, all of a sudden your perspective on life changes and every moment matters that much more. And so, you know, this journey, which has been so refining, uh, has, has actually given me a lot more um, clarity on, on who I am and the role that I play in, in the lives of the people that I love the most. You mentioned memory. Was it memories that really showed you the extent to how bad or how hard the brain injury had affected you? Yeah, it was um, because it was really the consequence that, if I'm being vulnerable, you know, uh, created the greatest fear. Um, and, and, you know, a, a concussion in football, as you know, is getting your bell rung, right? It's, it's seeing stars. And, and for such a long time, that was just a part of the game. And, and, it, and it was just something that you um, shook off and went out and, and did your job again. But once that started to have um, memory consequences in my life, it changed. And all of a sudden, it became this, this injury that... Um, was going to have a, a an effect on who I was, not just what I was, you know. So when you have a um, an orthopedic injury, for example, in in football, you know that it's going to affect uh, what you are, which is a football player. When you have a brain injury, that then begins to affect who you are. Uh, you, you were you were talking about memory, uh, but more specifically, what you were talking about concussion getting your bell right. wrong and how you look at it changes depending right. on how it's affecting you right this injury uh, which was so unique because you really couldn't see or experience what would be a typical orthopedic consequence you know if you were to pull a muscle or if you were to to tear a ligament uh, in an orthopedic injury uh, you know that those consequences affect uh, what you are and that's as an athlete um, with a brain injury, and as that began to affect my cognitive abilities, I realized that it, it was not only affecting what I was, but it was uh, affecting who I was. And, and so that changed everything. Now, all of a sudden, um, a concussion through education was a traumatic brain injury and that there are long-term 
consequences that can come with with that injury, um, especially if it reoccurs. So it began to change the way that I looked at this injury in particular. Then you tell the story in your book of being a young boy in Minnesota, playing ball with your dad, and it becoming your first introduction uh, to football. Can you tell me about those moments, what you remember mm. about those moments, and why they're still so important to you now? Well, I think, I think um, intrinsically they hold so much value because of the relationship that exists between a father and a son. And, you know, I, uh, having played for Tony Dungy, who's one of his greatest passions is fatherhood, um, you, you just begin to understand over time as you mature um, all of the life lessons that exist within that relationship. And so uh, my dad was, uh, has always been a, a tremendous leader in our family. He, I've often said that he brought his ministry home. And he did that by loving my sister and myself um, through his actions. And so those, those carry tremendous weight. And I do remember those times as a very young boy um, going out into the backyard with my dad and, and him just sitting there on his knees, letting me tackle him with everything that I had, uh, which to me was massive at the time. And, and to him probably was just... Um, you know, full of uh, gentle, you know, tickles, really. And, and so, <laughs> but that's really where it began, you know, and, 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 and that created a foundation of joy that was connected to a game. And uh, that fostered, I think, my, my passion for athletics moving on in my life. You were a little boy, uh, maybe four or five years old, when you say you suffered your first head injury. What happened? Yeah, it's one of those discovery moments, you know, in, over the course of writing the book. And, and I remember working with Mark Tabb, who is a multi uh, New York Times bestselling uh, co-author. And, and he, that was one of the questions he asked was, you know, as I shared this story of uh, playing um, Superman with one of my friends and running around the living room and, and we came into a, a, col a collision moment where I ended up diving over uh, him and, and going headfirst into the corner of a dresser um, and then being rushed to the emergency room. And he said, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you say that that was your first TBI? And I thought to myself, gosh, I never really thought about it from that perspective, but I'm sure that that was a part of the injury. And, and so, um, you know, the way you look at incidents over your life um, for me changed with my education um, and, and learning more about um, what exactly a concussion is and how it can affect you. Do you remember the first time you were diagnosed with a concussion and what that meant to you or what did you know about concussion? The first time I was diagnosed with a concussion was um, playing for the University of Minnesota and um, uh, I don't really remember much from the play. I, I do remember watching it afterwards, and I had gotten spun around uh, headfirst into uh, our enormous left tackle um, and uh, was knocked unconscious and, and came to, had a bloody nose, uh, was brought off the field and uh, diagnosed with a concussion by our training staff. Um, and it really held no value. 
I, to be honest with you, it didn't. It, it, what do you mean? Well, there was, uh, again, there was no, at the time, there's no real understanding of, you know, what a concussion is, let alone how can it uh, negatively impact your life over time. And so uh, I, that happened on a Saturday and I was back practicing uh, on Monday and I didn't think twice about it, you know, no, down no, no, no downside. Rest. And, and, you know, in that situation, you know, I don't, I don't really remember what symptoms I was facing, but, you know, headaches and sensitivity to light and some of the things that are pretty common across all concussions in, in football, uh, that, that didn't really measure up to anything meaningful, it, it, you know, because those happened all the time. You know, I mean, when you hit another human being with all you have, whether you were, you're wearing pads or not, uh, you're going to ache. You're going to feel, um, you're going to feel things from the trauma of just, you know, a violent sport. And so that didn't really, yeah, I, I really wouldn't have um, been able to, to think past just where I was in that moment. When I was reading your book and I was trying to keep track of all of the injuries because there were many besides the concussion. There was the broken pelvis, the broken <laughs> ankle. I think were there torn abs as well? Oh yes. Yeah, that was a that was a, a, a sports hernia that turned into two um I think there are two individual two inch tears, um, bilateral tears and my lower abdomen. And I think that was one of the things that was most um, surprising about the story is, uh, is how many injuries I went through, both, uh, you know, with concussions, but all, also with all of the, the orthopedic injuries that I faced. And just, you know, it, it, they're, they're just, they, for me, uh, unfortunately, I had one of these injury-prone careers. And, and that just created obstacle after obstacle uh, to overcome. And, you know, it's, it's a part of my story and so many other athletes. You mentioned the diagnosis of the concussion at the University of Minnesota. That was your second year uh, on the team. Walk me through the other concussions that followed. Um, I'm trying to recall the, the others in... Um, in division one football. And again, it's, it, you go back and you try to remember moments, um, where you can now recall facing some of those symptoms. And I, I know that there were some practice moments. Um, there wasn't another diagnosis in an actual game. Um, and it wasn't until I got to the NFL where I experienced, um, some more diagnosis on the field. Do you remember which one it was, Ben, where for you, it really stood out? And, oh, yeah. I mean, certainly yeah. this is more than getting my, my bell rung. Yeah, that that was um, while playing for the Indianapolis Colts. And it w- was a, a game against the Denver Broncos. And I, I can only repeat this um, from what I remember watching uh, on film uh, the day after the game. I was on the left side of our, of our, um, 
offensive line and I had released to block an individual and I ended up on the ground and there was a pursuing defender that was running behind me. And as he jumped over me, his cleat clipped the back of my helmet. And on film, you see it, you see my head kind of bob downward and then my body goes completely limp. And uh, to be honest with you, it, it didn't appear to be a, a, a strong hit. I mean, it, it, it was, it was, it, it almost appeared to be soft in nature, but, um, um, but the effect was, was evident. Um, what was re- interesting though, is that I, I began to regain consciousness and I got up and was speaking to my teammates, high-fiving my teammates, ran off to the sideline where I'm talking with coaches and, and physicians and, and I just, I remember none of it. It, it was the first time that I had an actual medical diagnosis of amnesia that came as a result of, of a concussion. And so it's really hard to put into words what it's like to experience that. You know, you, you're, you're walking into a, a meeting room uh, a day later and you're watching a play that doesn't exist in your memory at all. It's as if somebody had just taken an eraser to the, to the, whiteboard and removed it and so that that was the concussion that for the first time um, changed the way that I began to look at this at this uh, injury were you scared at all that's a really good question I I don't remember feeling I don't remember in that moment feeling scared um, I I do remember over the next three, four years of my career and recognizing some of these cognitive um, weaknesses present themselves that there were moments where my wife and I, you know, just sat there in quietness, just looking at each other, um, you know, saying, wow, did that, did that really just happen? Or, or surprised that, that I couldn't remember something so significant in our lives. And those are the moments I think that, you know, began to, to create, um, I think some authentic fears for the future. And then, and then obviously that, that, that was all happening, uh, over the course of the concussion crisis. So all of this information now is coming out about, you know, potential long-term effects and the, the dawn of, of the CTE diagnosis. And now, the chronic you know, traumatic encephalopathy. Encephalopathy, right? And so now all of these, um, all of these, um, you know, medical scientific truths are are, um, which are being distributed through multiple media outlets, are now beginning to kind of shape how you how you look at the at the injury. Can you provide context in terms of what you knew and? what players as a whole knew versus how it was being addressed by management, by the organizations. It'd be fair to say uh, 10 years ago, 10 to 12 years ago. And, and before that, that there, there wasn't a lot of medical um, information provided to players, even though outside of athletics, there was quite a bit of information on, on traumatic brain injury and the effects um, 
both short and long-term that that can have on an individual. And so as I was heading towards retirement after my last concussion and spending a lot more time with, with um, physicians, neurospecialists um, in the medical community and spending more time researching, uh, I, I, I learned so much more about the, the injury than was ever really presented um, uh, within any organization. Um, at the same time, I would, I would say with sincerity that, that uh, I, I had the greatest respect for, for our medical staff and training staff and uh, have never to this day, as you know from reading my book, uh, believed that there was any kind of nefarious behavior that was happening intentionally. Uh, I think it, it had a lot to do with just the culture of, of the sport. Yes, that is noticeable about your book. It, it seems as though you don't necessarily hold the NFL responsible or accountable. I, I've just chosen to, I, I want to have a pro-brain, pro-game message. That That's always what it's been about for me. Uh, I chose to... How do you do pro-game and pro-brain? Well, I think I think you have to embrace... The, the beauty of, of the sport. I think when you look at uh, what kind of a platform it's provided for so many individuals, um, especially the underserved uh, young male adult youth of our country, um, it, when you listen to the stories of what uh, so many of those men who grew up without fathers, but will tell you that the coaches that they had in high school and college and, and beyond um, played a father figure role in their lives. And I, I just think that there's so much benefit to, to the sport. And so with where we've come since that time and the education that exists now, I think it gives us a great opportunity to find balance, right? We know that this is a tough sport. Okay. It's not just brain injury. It's, it's all injury. And it's, it's the reality that I think the average career is three years, right? It's not, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous and, 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 and rough sport. So if we can create a platform where we're, uh, we're fully educating the athletes, we are uh, fully protecting them, um, and k- taking care of their medical needs, um, then I think as fans, we can continue to enjoy watching. Using your example, do you feel as though the relationships that are formed between player and coaches and players uh, among a team, do you feel like that outweighs mm-hmm. the risks involved in the game? Um, well, I guess it depends on on, on how you approach, uh, how you approach risks. I tend to think it changes over different age groups. When you're dealing with children, it's a whole nother, uh, approach to how to answer the question. When you're dealing with grown adults, it's a whole nother approach to that question. So, um, you know, as, as an adult, I, I think that, um, there's a, today, in more than there ever has been in, in the history of football, I think that there's a, a closer balance to, um, you know, to, to where we are in that situation. Now with children, I think that we have a long way to go, you know, because I think you have uh, children that are entering contact football in first grade all across our country. And so that, that to me is, um, is, 
is da- you think that's too young? It's dangerous, I think. I, well, yeah, I've, I've always, as you can imagine, I get asked that question more than anything else. If you had a son, which I don't, yeah, I have four daughter. daughters. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had a son, would you have him play football? And my answer is, again, it, about finding the balance between a pro game and a pro brain message. And I, I was told um, in my time working with the American Academy of Neurology by a uh, pediat- uh, pediatric neurologist that the most important developmental stages of a child's brain are ages 2 to 12. The brain's actually maturing in ways that it never does after age 12. So they're critical time. So for me as a father... Uh, of a son who wanted to play would want to play football i would i would be very conservative in my in my decision making during those ages and and so that to me is what's really valuable you know and so you know do do you need to start football in first grade in order to be an nfl football player no you don't and and so um at the same time sports are very valuable to our children and and our culture as tight end with the Colts in 2007, you won the Super Bowl. Is it true that you don't remember much about that night's game? Um, no, I, I would say that there are things, as I began to tell my story, there were, there were, um, there were blank spots that, that, uh, that I, I couldn't, I just couldn't describe. Um, I think that the, um, I think the, the the scariest time came after uh, came after my career when when we were you know sitting down with with friends over dinner and um, talking about our weddings and I couldn't I couldn't for the life of me understand why I wasn't invited to their wedding <laughs> and I remember saying to to our friends you know why you know I wasn't in any type of camp, you know, why, why wasn't I invited? And it just got really quiet and they brought over their wedding photo album. And there I was, um, page after page uh, as a groomsman in the wedding, as a singer in the, in the wedding. And, and I just have no memory of that, you know, no, no matter how many times you see the picture, it's like, and then you close your eyes and you try to place it. Um, it's just not there. And, and and so the those types of experiences, um, I, I think, were the were the ones that began to create um, concern and and some very thoughtful pause. Did you find yourself then, when situation when situations like that arose, did you later find yourself maybe not wanting to engage as much? I would, yeah. I mean, if we're being completely frank about it, I I would say that it's it's really you know, did you were you becoming depressed at all in your life, right? Because uh, you know, clearly, uh, multiple concussions can have you know behavioral health um, consequences, and and so what happened for me, and everybody's got their own their own story and experiences. I think for me. Um, my faith was an integral, uh, part of helping me, um, find purpose through all of that. But I'd be lying to you if, if I didn't share that, um, 
when you're when you're not functioning cognitively, when when your executive functioning, right, your ability to process information uh, in in real time is slow and inadequate. Um, you lose your patience and you get very down on yourself. You lose self-confidence and self-esteem. And if you don't have the communication or emotional, you know, uh, intelligence to understand what's happening, all of a sudden you have days where you just don't want to get out of bed or you spiral out of control or you snap at people because you you yourself are having a difficult time processing the information. All of those things, you know, I, I did experience uh, on different levels. I know for myself, after my TBI, there was a, a very long period of time in which I withdrew mm-hmm. um, from friendships, from conversations, mm-hmm. period. Part of it would be because of just, quite honestly, overstimulation. I couldn't track and follow right. a conversation uh, Sometimes with one person, it was even worse if there were yep. multiple people. Um, and then other times I just was embarrassed by the fact that I may not have remembered something that they mentioned a couple of days ago or a couple of hours ago. And uh, the safest place to be was yeah. by myself. No, I, I totally can understand what you were going through. And um, again, it kind of goes back to just really being blessed to have uh, a, a support uh, system around me with my family, my my wife, um, with uh, other passions that were a part of my identity that I was that uh, that I was practicing at the time with music and with some of the the things that I wanted to pursue. Th- those were all those all played a role in helping me come back. After spending four seasons with the Indianapolis Colts and another two with the Cincinnati Bengals, you left. Why was that the right time for you to go? Oh, there's a lot of factors in that decision. Uh, I think probably most importantly is family. We just had our first daughter and that began to change the importance of the future. And uh, so that that played a role into that decision. Uh, also, it began to become apparent that my concussion history was going to be a concern for uh, any new team to to take the risk. And 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 so there were there were there were hurdles within within the you know the scouting of of NFL talent that um, that made it very difficult to to continue. And, you know, for me to continue uh, would have meant, you know, basically agreeing to, to, to waivers that, that would, you know, release responsibility because of, you know, any future concussion in the future. And I just didn't want to play, I just didn't want to play those games with my, uh, with my life. So it, it just became the right time. Uh, to do what was best. Um, it, it's a little difficult for me to understand how athletes, how players didn't know or recognize the risk of head injury and in football, given all that was already out there about traumatic brain injury. Plus, you're repeatedly slamming into one another. That cannot be good for the body. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, can you can you explain to me why there was still this this lack of understanding? 
of the impact of the the head injuries among the players? Well, I, uh, you know, I think that there's responsibility on both sides, right? This is now your profession, uh, a little bit different in youth sports and in college. Uh, there's 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 much more of a familial or parental environment that's created within, you know, the coaching relationship with coaches and trainers and and whatnot. Um, you know, players aren't typically going into their any sport. Um, they're not going into those um, those scholarship years or those those contractual agreement years, um, studying medical history of of all the injuries that they're gonna they're gonna face, right? You know, we're we're not we're not uh, all pre med and and trying to you know to really understand you know. Uh, the anatomy of the body and what what it can impact it. So I, I think that part of that is just kind of this um, this culture of of negligence, right? On both sides, we as players, um, I was just I was negligent to you know do any discovery on on any injury that I had and, and, and or faced, and and so. Um, at the same time, you know, I think that, um, we could have had more information provided, um, you know, through staff that, that, uh, maybe has more of that information available. Ben, you are now an advocate for, uh, brain injury, brain injury awareness, uh, for anyone affected by brain injury, not just uh, athletes, but particularly as a former NFL player and given your experience, has enough, is enough being done to protect players? So I, I, I genuinely believe that we have come a very long way. Uh, and I think that you are um, seeing the positive impact that the focus on this injury has created across the country. Um, it's, it's really quite amazing because you, you now have uh, parents and coaches and teams at every level um, now that have to go through statewide legislation, right? That has, that is designed to, to educate and to, uh, hold people in position accountable, you know, for the health and wellness of, of student athletes. And so I do think that we've come a very long way. I, I would say that the, the, um, the other side of that answer is that we have to continue to grow every single year. So have we come a long way? Yes. Can more be done? Is it enough? No. And I don't know if we'll ever say that it is enough because we're constantly going to be learning more and more and more data will come in and we'll learn more. And so what are we going to do with the new information? And so I hope that we continue through advocacy, um, finding new ways to um, elevate player health and safety. And, you know, that's our job as advocates, as champions for the cause to be able to continue to um, drive that momentum forward. In your book, you you write about uh, 
being driven to the point where you felt you needed to document the symptoms that you were experiencing uh, following your concussion. They included random headaches, according to your book, dizziness, sleeplessness, night sweating, loss of balance, fatigue, nausea, hard time driving in a car, snapping at wife. How did you get past all of this? Oh, man. It's interesting hearing you... um recite those because I, I haven't I haven't read that book in a in a long time and, and <laughs> you know you know it's it, and you're not experiencing any of those things anymore no but but you know you when you say them out loud it you you know I'm kind of reliving them now in the moment um you know it it I I, I needed to document um I needed to document uh, number one, because it was a therapeutic form of of, of journaling, but but also um, wanted to make sure that I was um, doing my best to be uh, truthful in my experiences. You know, I, I knew I was going to be um, going through some transitions and 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 um, some arbitrations, and and this was an opportunity for me to make sure that. Um, because I was struggling cognitively, this was a this was a chance to make sure that I could provide some more clarity. How did I get through it? Oh man, just you know, by the grace of God and by by like I said, um, surrounding myself with with a, a support system of people that that uh, that loved and, and cared uh, for my for my wellness and. Um, music played a huge role in that, um, you know, as a professional entertainer and singer, um, it gave me an outlet and, uh, and I, I wrote songs about it and, and, uh, made videos and, and those were all a part of this kind of therapeutic process that brought me back. Um, and then I was introduced to a company called Learning RX, which gave me the chance to to train again, but in a different way. Yeah, tell me about learning RX. Sounds like it was more grueling than training camp. You know, this was just kind of one of those um, providential moments. I was co-hosting a, a television show here in Minnesota, where I'm from, and and we were highlighting the um, services of a of a company that has dedicated itself to uh, cognitive brain training, and. I guess, you know, the, the foundational goals are, are simple. We can improve your, your cognitive, um, your cognitive abilities. And so I set out and, and I did this 100 hour intensive brain training program Monday through Thursday, an hour and a half each session sitting across the table from a, from a, a brain trainer uh, who was taking me through uh, many different uh, exercises um, to strengthen a, a number of different um, a number of different uh, uh, cognitive abilities. Um, my neuropsych evaluation uh, was shocking, to be honest with you. My my uh, my my pre score especially in short and long-term memory showed me to be in the 12th and 17th percentile, which was shockingly low. Uh, but after the hundred hours, the 12th and 17th percent went to the 78th and 98th percent. And it was through those three months that 
that I just began to regain uh, and even become stronger cognitively than I than I had been while I was playing. What were you doing? Well, there was uh, everything from from uh, mathematic mathematical exercises, vocabulary exercises, um, memory exercises. Those were some of the most challenging for me. Uh, you know, I, I had I had um, you know shared my concerns publicly. Uh, and this was the first time that they were validated by by medical scientific uh, uh, scientifically credible data, saying, "Hey, you're not crazy, Ben. Um, we we can show you that you are struggling mm-hmm. in these areas." And that ironically gave me a lot of peace. Like you might think, "Wow, you, you know, to get those low test scores back." Uh, wouldn't that make you feel even more scared? But the reality was it actually made me feel like I wasn't crazy. Like I, you know, all of these hidden consequences, I, I can actually show, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really dealing with this. So um, we did one exercise um, that was uh, for, short and long-term memory and it and what they would do is they would they would give you um word distribution they'd give you uh um they'd give you uh, we started out with 10 nouns and they would give you a new word every six seconds and they would have a metronome on the table that was clicking back and forth and every two clicks was a second right so click um and and every Every six seconds, they'd give you a new word. And you'd think to yourself, oh, I, 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 this shouldn't mm-hmm. be a problem. So they give you the first word, tree, right? Yeah. And then six seconds. And they give you dog, six seconds. And then they give you lake, six seconds. And I'll tell you, like, mm-hmm. you're, you're reciting each of these words over and over again, trying to memorize them as it's happening. But then you get to that fourth word, and all of a sudden, that first word is yeah it's not really you forgot it's that it was to, to fade right and i remember it's just sweating like all of a sudden yeah. like i'm halfway yeah. through this list and i thought i had the first three and then the and then the fourth one made the first one go away and now i can't remember the fourth one and and then it just compounds and i'm sweating and and um i i maybe i maybe got th- you know, three of the words, and they ask you to they they ask you to recite the words back in chronological order to the best of your ability, forwards and backwards. Oh my goodness! Right, and so oh my goodness, <laughs> that's that was day one, right? So wow. day ninety, mm-hmm. I was able to recite back twenty five words, not only nouns but adjectives and verbs forwards and backwards and they were distributed every two seconds i mean that's how amazing the transformation yeah that's impressive yeah and you felt like what you were gaining in those sessions they transferred to the rest of your life outside of the therapeutic setting yes oh that's great 100 yeah. percent. and a part of that too is just what happens see uh, what happens over the course of the three months is um, is moments of of success. It's winning. 
right? Yeah. You, you, you plateau and then all of a sudden one day you come in and you're better and you excel and you win at these exercises and then you plateau and then you win and you succeed and you're doing it all along with a personal relationship with another human being across the table. So you're having to have a relationship with that person. You have to communicate with that person. And so all a number of things are happening over the course of this. It's not just the exercises. It's, it's um, relationship managing. It's confidence and self-esteem building, right? All, all while helping you strengthen injured neural pathways and even the creation of new neural pathways, so the retraining of how you do certain things, right? And so you begin to start applying all of those tactics, even subconsciously, and you come out of it um, a more assured individual. So as you do better, you feel better, and then you continue to do better. Exactly. And it's not, it's not just this, uh, it's, it's not subjective. I mean, I think that's one of the th issues people have with concussions is that it, it, the injury comes across as such a subjective injury because everybody's experience is different. So how do we really believe, you know, when we can't see? Well, this, it was tangible. This was objective. And it put a little bit more meat on the bone. And that, 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 um, that goes a long way. Ben, you talk about uh, being fortunate in that you had an identity outside of football, your professional singing career. For so many people who have been sidelined by traumatic brain injury, what sometimes makes recovery worse is knowing that they won't be who they were before. Maybe they can't work again or they can't work in the same job, have the same role. How did you grapple with having the identity of an NFL player, a Super Bowl champion, stripped from you? I think that it, it was growing up in a family that told me that my self-worth was greater than a game. Um, that gave me opportunities to discover more layers to my identity. And that's priceless. And unfortunately, there are so many that don't grow up in those types of environments and, and, and aren't given those types of truths that create powerful purpose. And so when you remove the game, right, which they have made their entire identity, um, we experience tragically a Unfortunately, we, we have experienced what that can do to an individual. But for me, it was finding uh, that I, my identity <clears throat> is much more than just uh, as, a, as an athlete. Um, and that as humans, we have such incredible potential within the purpose that we really exist for. And that gives people hope, right? And that's what we need in this type of a situation. Um, when, it, when a career ends, when one door closes, another door will open. But you have to, you have, to have hope in that. You got to believe in that. And you got to be willing to walk. Do you, do you ever have regrets about your career? No. Do you think? No. I, I, 
would go back, however, and change um, change the way I played the game. I I played a I played very tall. I'm I'm a tall player anyway. I'm six foot seven, but I played tall. And what does that mean? Play tall. It it, it means that I did a poor job of protecting myself. Uh, you know, as mm-hmm. a tight end, we run across the middle uh, and open ourselves up to linebackers and safeties, uh, the big hitters uh, on the football field, and so when you look at some of the great wide receivers, some of the great tight ends, um, and we had, we had them on our football teams. They, they, they had such a, they had such a, um, um, you know, strong ability to, um, protect themselves, uh, to run out of bounds, uh, when, instead of taking the big hit or, uh, to, um, to see the hit coming and to, and to dive down to get underneath it and I, I just, I was not good at that. I, see. I ran tall. I, I caught tall, and and I went down tall. That <laughs> just means I gave people a lot <laughs> to hit, and I took some massive hits. And so I, I, I would, you know, I would go back and change some of those things, and and, um, you know, and 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 again, I, I, I wish I went back and and did a better job of understanding, you know, some, you know, more about what the injuries are that that I that you do face in this game and what do you do about it when you, when you do face that. In 2013, when uh, Aaron Hernandez was arrested, is it true that you approached the new England Patriots about needing a veteran tight end? So that was an interesting time. You know, I, I was, um, I was a couple years out. I had really come back to uh, a place where I've, you know, as you call it, a new normal, right? So I had come back to a place of normalcy. I was in great shape. Um, and there were a couple teams that were really struggling at the tight end position. Um, so those situations across the league motivated me to reach out to my sports agents and, and say, it wasn't just the Patriots. There was a couple of other teams in there too, but just to say, you know, would you, would you mind reaching out? Um, and seeing if there's any opportunity, you know, and, and again, um, this was the, this was the identity struggle, right? This is so yeah. many years of, of, of your, your, you know, vocational and emotional identity wrapped up in a sport that it, it's really hard to let go. And so I presented this idea to my parents because there were, there were, there were a couple teams that were, I think were willing to, you know, to at least give me a tryout and see. How old were you at that time? Uh, let's see here. That might have been 29, 30, okay. 31, right in, right in that time frame. And uh, I remember sitting down with my, my parents and my wife and telling them that I, that I reached out and had this conversation and that there was some response. And, and my dad just, without really any hesitation, said, you know, if, if you decide to play again, I won't watch a single game. That's a powerful statement. And that's the guy that I remember, you know, getting on his knees and letting me hit him as hard as I could. Right. And yeah. so you, it, it just, it, it was the, the last nail in the coffin. It was kind of like, gosh, okay, thank you, dad. Because that, 
that really you, you kind of brought me out of the clouds and back down to reality and and um and so you know it's one of those situations in life that is you, you have to go through right in order to in order to grow then you've described your book as a love letter to your wife and four daughters as a way to preserve memories even if they one day slide away from you do you still feel that way today that you might one day forget everyone I think that the fear um, or the, I, I should say maybe no longer fear, I, the, the sadness, the sadness that, um, that, that that reality exists is still there, 100%. I mean, who would ever want to go through that? I mean, you know, being an advocate for brain health and, and, and just experiencing the caregivers that are going through um, dementia with their loved ones or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or Louis bot. I mean, you know, you, you just can't, you, you can't fathom what it's like to, to go through um, having some, your loved one there physically, but the essence of who they are slowly deteriorating it before your eyes. Right. So, you know, I, I, pray that the work that I've put in cognitively will now give me the opportunity to store memories better moving forward and that and that um, chronic traumatic encephalopathy won't play a significant role in in my future but that that's all uncertain and so you know because of that uncertainty I would be lying if I didn't say that there wasn't some sadness that I feel if I begin to think about what that what that experience will be like uh, for my family. Then for our listeners who don't have the superstar, uh, super athlete background that you have, but they are certainly struggling. They have endured a traumatic brain injury. What are the words of encouragement? What are the things that you would say to someone to press ahead and move mm-hmm. forward uh that you matter that you matter and i mean that with a deep level of love and compassion you matter you're significant you were created for a purpose okay and that there is no difference between me as a as a a, a very lucky Super Bowl champion uh, and you it we are one in the same because we have a heart that beats and a mind that functions to do great things in this life and so um, don't let an injury define who you are let the way you respond to the injury define who you are Ben Utech The book is Counting the Days While My Mind Slips Away, a love letter to my family. It's about faith, it's about football, and it's about family. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ben. Thank you for having me. Real pleasure. To order a copy of UTech's book, please visit the Me, Myself, and TBI website.